You're listening to After the Encore, the music podcast that explores what happens after the music fades, what happens after the encore. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and you're listening to Volume 2, This is the Voice, Track 1, with... What's your name? My name is Michael Lee, and I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. All right! You're listening to After the Encore. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and I am here with the one and only Michael Lee. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks so much for being here. Michael, Mike, you like Michael? Michael's good. Michael, yeah. that works. So what I want to talk to you, and I'm, I'm really excited. I wanted to have you on the show for a while, and I was trying to figure out which volume to have you on, whether it's Texas Artists or something with blues or whatever, and I think it works great to have you on this volume where we're focusing on artists that were on The Voice because your career, while it had been going on for a while, kind of like hit overdrive after The Voice, it seemed to be. And so I'm really interested in digging into that. But before we get into there, one question I really want to ask you is what does music mean to you? Man, music is just, it's, it's like breathing. It's just a part of me. It's it's always been a way for me to express myself uh, emotionally. A lot of times it's it's therapy on stage. You're able to get everything out and um, and yeah, man, it's it's a release after you're done performing for yeah. sure. Yeah, being an artist myself, while not a musician, I, I do understand that type of creative outlet, the need to create, the need to have something to say and the release and what that provides. And so I know a lot of individuals have their own thing to say, right? Especially singer songwriters as well. And so I want to know when you're performing and when you're writing and you're creating content, what is, what is the ultimate maybe statement you're trying to put out there for yourself, for your volume? What do you want kind of your legacy even to be? I know that's kind of a loaded question, but... Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just being honest with myself. Uh, I don't want to put anything out there that, you know, I may change over the years, you know, different viewpoints and stuff like that. But at that time, the song, the album, the recording that I do, it needs to be like a snapshot in time of how I'm feeling and just in complete honesty. Right. Now, I know that kind of growing up, you had uh, maybe not the typical childhood of like watching cartoons and sitting and, and watching stuff, right? Like you were watching blues artists and really obsessing over their performances, right? Stevie, Stevie Ray Vaughan, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And so walk me through what even drew you to that in the first place. Cause that's not, I would say a typical thing that parents like kind of sit their kid in front of. Right. I, I don't know what started it all. Um, but as far as I can remember, that's what I was obsessed with. Yeah. So whether it was, uh, my parents were always going out to uh, concerts. So like 
the big concerts in Dallas at like Starplex when they would that's what it was called then. Right. But uh <laughs> it's had a few with different like, iterations yeah. now. <laughs> and uh that was my earliest memory of a concert and it was Buddy Guy, BB King and the Almond Brothers. Oh man. And so and at that point, like I had already been I was in preschool, so I don't know. Okay, however, I was gonna, I was however gonna old you are in preschool. So like three, four, four, right. five, somewhere in there. I had yeah. already been obsessing over Steve Ray Vaughan. And, That's fantastic. And watching his <laughs> concerts and then my dad had a cassette that he would record any time that Stevie was on TV. Oh, wow. So okay. a lot of times it was with Stevie and BB, or just that's how I got introduced to all these different great blues artists. Right. And I just, I don't know what made me obsessed, but I had a little plastic guitar yeah. and a cowboy hat, and <laughs> I, I tucked my jeans into my boots like right. Steve Ray Vaughan right. did, and yeah. I would just, I would play along and, and mimic it, you know, and like that's, it just spoke to you yeah or spoke to me rather and um I, I don't know it's just what i've been obsessed with and it was weird growing up finding out that other kids weren't as obsessed with right. that as <laughs> right. me you know? you're like oh nobody else is going to these concerts I'm nobody like, else is what's sesame working? street right right <laughs> right right <laughs> i think about so i have a i have a daughter that's in preschool and thinking about her in the same way that like you were obsessed with C. Ravon. It's, it's totally different, right? So I think she's obsessed with certain things, but it's a little bit more, I would say, quote unquote, traditional kid growing up versus what you're describing. Which is awesome. I mean, <laughs> it's probably a good thing. Um, I, it may have just been my dad watching the concert yeah. one night and I sat down and it was just blown away. Yeah. And then I remember my dad trying to figure out C. Ravon songs, but you know, being a pestering kid, he would he would shut the door, right? So he could actually try to get some work done and get better, right? And and I got my I'm on the ground, I got my hands through the bottom <laughs> crack and like play cold shot, right? Play the, like you know, play the salt, like I'm making requests right. through the door, you know. So uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, man. And I didn't really realize that it was such a unique childhood until yeah. I started reflecting on it and having to tell my story with the sure. voice, sure. And so your dad, you talked about your dad uh, playing the guitar. Was he more than maybe an amateur musician? Did he play in groups or was it just for the love of the He would tell you thing? that he's a, he, a cowboy chord guy. Okay, G, gotcha. C, D, E right. minor. Like right. he, he can do that. He played in church growing okay. up. So he would just play acoustic guitar and sure. stuff like that. But he had an electric guitar that I wasn't allowed to touch. <laughs> and that he would try to figure out these different stuff. You know, yeah. He'd figure out Ted Nugent songs or, right. or you know, Boston or whatever it right. was. Or yeah. ZZ Top was big, too. Right. And uh, so whenever, after years and years and years of, like, begging him for a guitar, right. they finally sprung and got one. And so I would ask him for help, you know. What year was this when you got the guitar? Uh, I was 12. 12, okay. Yeah. It's right there going into junior high, that kind of stuff. Yeah, right around then. Okay. Uh, I may have gotten like a a smaller electric before then. Right. But I it was more so just a prop for me to pretend to sure. like <laughs> right. play. Right. And then uh, you know, that's that's when I first got my first guitar strap. And then but around twelve is when I got my first like big boy guitar yeah. and trying to figure it out. <laughs> that's awesome. And so now are you doing the the type of like uh talent school thing like auditioning for talent shows trying to bring it into school or is this something you're strictly doing outside of school at um at that time in junior high i i wasn't trying to do talent shows and stuff okay. like that um i was just trying to figure out so my dad he taught me how to read tablature 
I don't know. Tab, I, I don't tab, even know what that is. Tab. You play guitar? No, I do not. Okay. So it's. I played piano once upon a time. Instead of playing like reading music. Yeah. It's just uh, an easier version for us dumb guitar players. Okay. So it's <laughs> okay. it's like the six lines of the strings. Yes. And it will say, uh, put a zero on the string for to play it open or a two to play it the second fret. Okay. And okay. So that makes sense. It's almost like Braille. And then okay. you would. So you would. He taught me how to read that. Okay. And then he had a Steve Ray Vaughan tab book. Okay. That was like that, you know, it was a couple – it was like all his songs yeah. up to like 87. Like a couple inches. And so yeah. I tried to figure that out and like tried to figure that out by myself. Right. And then if I had questions, I would ask him. But he was yeah. like, I don't even know how to play that stuff. That's so. interesting. So you're already started. So you're, you're – you at 12 are asking him questions about complex variations – that he's not even mm-hmm. able to figure out. So you're mm-hmm. already trying to master these more complex songs and complex variations to yeah. try and just, you, you have this thirst for knowledge. And I think it's so crucial when, when kids start kind of getting into really anything, but specifically music, one of the conventional wisdoms has been, well, if they're interested in the show and interest young, keep them interested and keep them involved because that's when your capacity for learning is at its greatest. Right. Not now when you're in 31, 32, right? Right. Uh, you know, and speaking for myself, no, I, de- <laughs> I definitely agree. But my, my, I've always had a strong passion for learning and trying yeah. to figure things out. Um, it's whenever you show slight interest in something and then the parents are like, Oh, he loves soccer. Right. So now we're going to push him, push, push, yeah, push, yeah, push, yeah, push. Yeah. I was obsessed with music. Yeah. And so whenever my dad was like, I don't know how to play the intro to uh, um, Life by the Drop by Steve Ray Vaughan. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know if anybody can. Or something like, just like that. Yeah. Like, it's a challenge. But sure. it's got to yeah, be yeah. attainable. Like I see right. the tab. It's, done, it's like been done at least once. figured it out. Right, yeah. You know, so that was, that was the goal is how... Like, how could I figure it all out? Oh, that's and I was awesome. very single-minded. I only wanted to figure out his stuff. Right. Which is... Stevie Ray Vaughan stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. And at that time. Right. And that, I mean, that's quite a tall order to try right. to figure out. Because yeah. he's very singular in that right. aspect. I grew up loving blues music, but of the, like, Little Walter smokes, you know, the yeah. Howlin' Wolf variety, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, and, you know, I would go... I being from Bedford myself, you would go to the blues fest and, and get year. to see, yeah, all these different varieties. And, and I love, it's interesting to me that there is different types of blues, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, on the last volume, we had the Reverend Sean Amos, son of famous Amos cookie guy and uh, Wally Amos. And he, he's a, a blues musician. And he plays the harp, right? He plays the harmonica. Right. And he's got kind of that little Walter vibe and you've got the guitar and you're kind of in the Stevie Ray Vaughan vibe. I, I, BB King vibe, you know, obviously, cause you're, been fronting the bb king band but right. like you know so it's it's different instruments and different approaches but it's still like you can still feel this this type of um yearning to to contribute to the greater good i don't know if that's quite coming out right but it's like you feel the emotion and you feel the the struggle and you feel the celebration all in the same breath right you know i mean i that's i get asked a lot like how do you learn guitar or how do you figure things out and right. it's it's for me it's being obsessed or with guitar or music or the genre and i was obsessed with the genre and it's because it spoke to me sure I, i'm sure if like i listened to also listen to merle haggard and and yeah. all those other things that my grandparents were trying to right. show me about and yeah. it just didn't speak as yeah. well yeah and so you know, when you're trying to figure something out or play something live, 
it's it's all about being in touch with that emotion and try to create that like mm-hmm. spark again. And so for me, it was a pretty obvious choice to go with Steve Ray Vaughan. Sure. Uh, because that's what started me off. But right. then it went to B.B. King. Right. And then it went to Buddy Guy. And then Hubert Sumlin, which was the guitar player for Howlin' Wolf. And then yes. I had a huge Howlin' Wolf collection <laughs> that I just loved. And I loved him more than Muddy Waters for some reason. I I, I, I identify with that. And it's just this feeling. Like, I don't know. It seems I, so raw. Yes. I mean, it's just... eerie, you know? It just, I don't know. It just feels like he's he's... Got a chip on his shoulder in like a good way. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, Man, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's so just, cool. It's magical, yes. to me. And and you know, every, everybody. I've always been that person that if everybody likes something, I'm gonna like the the opposite, right? Yeah, and, <laughs> and that doesn't matter if it's already in a super niche, right. like 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 a super small genre or a hipster genre, <laughs> right. anyway. Right. So right, right. you know, it's super hipster to be into the old school blues, and I'm like, yeah, but. Muddy Waters, great, but I love Helen Wolf. You know? Oh, yeah. To the just stick. the way he would hum oh. into the mic was just ridiculous. Every time Smokestack Lightning comes on, mm-hmm. it just gives me chills. Yeah. I was listening to that on the way here. It was just, mm, I love it. Yeah. It's so good. And, yeah, no, I could I could talk about this all day. But it's um, uh, when when Sean Amos, the Rev, was on last volume, he, he spoke about blues, and he said, uh, blues is the roots and the rest of music is the fruits. And mm-hmm. so he talks about how, and I think he got that quote from somebody, and he talks about how every other musical style, you can see components and elements that came from blues. Yeah. And 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 he even equated, he talked about punk rock where it was uh, blues, but aggro and more sped up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, so, and so to his point, I think what you're saying as well, blues really invites you to this space where you can bring your emotions and bring... Uh, your thoughts and really just let it out unrestrained. Right. Uh, I, I agree. And, you know, I think blues means a lot to a lot of different people. Right. You know, depending on how they're, they're upcoming or just the chance of where they're born and when they're born. Me, I'm very fortunate. I'm a, you know, Caucasian person growing up in the suburbs. So me to play the blues is kind of weird. Right. But everybody I feel goes through, pain yeah suffering gets their heart broke and stuff like that right and it's happy you know you go through the whole gamut of emotions right it's all relative yeah and so uh, my sadness i feel like is just as equal to somebody else's and right the ability to be able to convey that through song or an instrument yeah like that's the whole key of blues and being the roots of all american music right is because it is just getting that emotion out so whether it's punk rock yeah. which is maybe anger right you know <laughs> right. You, but you listen to like a howling wolf like yeah. evil right like that's yeah. that's freaking angry there's anger right. there you yeah. know so y- you can you can see it like in everything yeah. in my opinion it's very elemental i love it it's very fundamental even to the human experience mm. it's amazing so walk me through now you're getting up through i heard a a, a story from a, a mutual uh, acquaintance of ours where at, at parties in high school there would be a lot of people hanging out drinking conversing having a typical teenager time and you'd be in the corner fiddling with your guitar figuring out how to make uh, how to work this solo so now walk me through you kind of go through junior high you're learning more and now you're getting to high school yeah i I was pretty straight laced um (laughs) through high school (laughs) but but it was really because i was obsessed with music sure you know it's um and i hadn't got maybe i hadn't gotten to the the 
the talent level to attract the women at the time <laughs> or didn't realize that you need to learn how to sing with it too. So, uh, so right. that, that vice wasn't there yet. Sure. Um, but in high school, my, my dad obviously saw that. All right. He's not going to stop playing guitar. This right. is something he really wants to do. Right. So let's, uh, let's take him out to a blues jam. Let's go take him out and take him out to a club and That's see awesome. if he can, Hang or maybe you know this will this is the next step. So right. he took me out to uh, this place called the Hole in the Wall, which is no longer there. Okay, it was off of Harry Hines. In okay, six thirty-five. Okay, like in the bad part of Dallas up there. Yeah. And uh, so I got up there. My dad has a you know I'm sure he was a typical dad with a VHS camera. Right. I've, I've seen the video, <laughs> uh, and I got like my back to the audience, and I'm yeah. trying to play along, and it's. But it was just that, and if the people didn't clap, I'm sure it would have just stopped right then, sure. you know? Yeah. But I got that, I got that reassurance. Yeah. That, hey, I don't suck. Right. You know? And, and, and how old I, were you at this point? 15. 15, okay. 15. Yeah. And, you know, that, I obviously did suck. But, <laughs> uh, but then, you know, it was just that next boost in confidence because up until then it's just playing in my room or playing in front yeah. of friends right and you have no idea no and um so then they were like you know we there's another jam on sunday nights so then i started going on sunday nights and my dad he t i remember this we were driving to it and he goes son like there's a lot of really good guitar players out there and i go a typical arrogant teenager right. i'm like yeah but none as young and as good as i am <laughs> And we get there, and there's a kid on stage that's two years younger than me and plays ten times better than Oof. I do. And I was that just – That was a check. Was, yeah, it was humbling, but it was good. <laughs> and so it was at that point that I was like, all right, I need to get better guitar. Like, I'm not going to stop that, but I need to learn how to sing because he doesn't know how to sing. Mm. So it was like it became this competition thing. Sure. And – uh you know, and then that, that just kept persisting through life to where I met somebody who could sing really well and play guitar really well, but couldn't really write songs. So okay. then I was like, all right, I'll be the trifecta. I'm going to learn how to do all three. So each of these experiences where you met people that were in my better, mind, yeah. better, better than you in one or two areas, mm -hmm. then you realized, okay, if I am going to make it, I need to diversify my skill set, right? Yeah. I need to be able to write. I need to be able to sing. I need to be able to play. Right. And one of the mantras that I have for my own personal life is if you can't be better, be different. Mm -hmm. And so I think you can kind of modify that to your situation where you're like, okay, well, they're currently better at me, but they're very one single skill set better. Right. So let me be different in that I can do this, this, and this. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I could have just, the guy's name is Kenny Fuller. He now plays for a like travels all over the country playing for top 40 country bands and you know i met met him and we ended up becoming really good friends and like that friendship and going out to those jams which really became uh you know a weekly test of how good did you practice how smart did you practice did you get better right you know it was a litmus test every week yeah and it was a i took it as a competition sure you know? it's like who could have the best set right you know yeah uh, I guess comedians do the same thing. Sure. You know? Yeah. Uh, but I would go out there and uh, that's what really, I started seeing a lot of improvements. And this is at these uh, jam Jams, sessions. Yeah. yeah. All over the Metroplex. That's yeah. awesome. So they would like pop up in different spots. They would have them weekly, you okay. know, and like one that I'm talking about now is in Irving and then they okay. had one in Dallas. And then uh, I was getting tired of doing those. I started join, joining a band. Okay. I think like my senior year or something like that 
and um okay so like oh five oh six somewhere in there yeah okay and um it was a country band i was just wanting to be in a band sure it was but it was like we had a female singer and i was playing guitar and kenny right. he was also playing guitar in there and so started getting better and i was trying to figure out where my next influence was going to be like mm -hmm. what what path i wanted to take musically sure whereas i've already done the c ray bond thing i'm learning from kenny kenny's learning right. from me we're going back and forth right and then my friends at that time were all getting into john mayer and joe bonamassa because yep. it's right around the time that yeah they're just blowing up yeah and for whatever reason and john mayer trio had just come out about yeah. a year before that and yeah. they were all going crazy over yeah. that stuff yeah. which here comes that just hipster niche i don't like what everybody else is like right. part i was just not into it i yeah. love it now I'm, yeah but i wasn't into it then so right. then my dad was like well there's you know uh, or i thought there's gotta be musicians around dfw that are just as good guitar players yeah that never made it yeah and so that was my mindset and i was just asked my dad's like you know where should we go and he's like well let's go check out buddy whittington okay buddy whittington is from hearst okay he graduated ld bell in 75 okay he played with john mail in the blues breakers okay for like 15 years he, there's a video of him cutting off eric clapton's head on stage like <laughs> this dude is a beast yeah but and and he's a big old country boy yeah like and but he plays great blues guitar yeah. And can play anything under the sun. And I get to this jam, and it's packed. It is nut to butt in this bar <laughs> called the Keys Lounge in Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, do that, please. And, yeah, you've been in there? Yeah. Yeah. It's been but a while. This this was, yeah, before they expanded it. And yeah. this was really small. And so I'm sitting there like another cocky, arrogant kid that doesn't learn his lesson. <laughs> right. I'm like, well, let's see if he can play guitar. Right. And he starts <laughs> starts off with Hideaway, and he plays oh. it perfect. And, you know, it takes a solo, and it's incredible. I was like, well, yeah, but I bet he can't sing. And then he just takes off oh, wow. singing, and it sounds like Freddie King. Oof. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. And then I was like, I wonder if he could play slide. And then he pulls out an old methadone bottle. Oh, my gosh. And plays slide with that thing. <laughs> and I was just like, this guy's a triple threat. I got to figure out everything this guy does. Right. You yeah. know, and so I got obsessed with that. And then there was another guy, his name Rusty Burns, who went to Trinity High School. And played in a band called Point Blank, which was like a southern rock band. Okay. In the 80s, they had a song called Nicole. Okay. And my Nicole, my sweet Nicole. Okay. Dun, dun, it's just hard, classic rock. And, um, that's awesome. He was left-handed strung upside down. Okay. And a shredder, like just <laughs> insanely good. Yeah. And he was like one of Dimebag's big influences. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah. 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 And, uh, they would always hang out at the tattoo bar, which was a big famous bar back then whenever Pantera was yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, running wild. Right. Um, but yeah, so I started, what I loved about learning from those guys is I could sit down and have a conversation like this right. and ask them questions to whereas John Mayer and Joe Bonamassa and Ken Wayne Shepard, I'm never going to get that opportunity. No, no. Uh, 
So that was what was really cool and their advice and what to do and what not to do. And, you know, that's where I kind of learned from them is like, it's great. You can play blues, but if you want to be able to make a living just even locally, you got to learn how to play country too. Mm. So then that's when I started figuring out Merle Haggard tunes and, and stuff like that. And, and were you and in the, the country band at this time as well? Yeah, but like I was just doing my blues. Sure, licks. but now you're I'm motivated like, okay, to try and I need to do this. Because so my whole goal was, my parents would tell me, you need a fallback plan. And I was like, I don't want one. Like right. I, if I have a fallback plan, I'm going to fall back. Right, like because I'm, you're going to think about, oh, well, it's okay if I fail. Uh, yeah, I don't want a safety net. Right. So this was a way not to have a safety net. Whether it meant I was rooming with three other dudes in a right. house and, <laughs> right. and, you know, not the best living, but I can make a living and right. pay my bills. Exactly. And that was a goal of mine. And now, I, as I recall, there was a moment in which your lead singer could no longer sing a gig. Yeah, so... We would play this. They don't really have them too much anymore, but in smoky bars. Yep. And this this place is still in Fort Worth. And it was at Sarah's place, which was next door, like the same building. It's just two businesses next. And it's a gas station, <laughs> like a gas station. And then next door is this terror. Uh, ter- I don't know. What I haven't been in there since I was like 17. But it was this smoky, smoky bar. And uh, super smoky. And by the third set her voice was out sure because all the smoke yeah gotcha and so it's like well somebody's got to sing yeah kenny was always brave and and he would try to sing and then i just got up there and and yelled yeah like yeah because i saw an interview with steven tyler and i know now i realize he was being sarcastic but (laughs) he's like all i do is just yell and scream i was like well i can do that you know so, with confidence right? right and so i did that it's all pe- confidence and people clapped again <laughs> and so that kept me going and if they hadn't clapped it probably would have stopped right there. like well this sucks I'm right they'd be like all right lesson learned yeah yeah <laughs> that's awesome well cool well, we'll be right back with more after the encore after this Welcome back to After the Encore. I am here with Michael Lee, and now this is the voice. Yeah. Let's. So your wife convinced you to audition, correct? Yeah. Because you were a little like unsure, right? I mean, we watched the show. Yeah. Uh, especially whenever other people from Dallas Fort Worth were right. on it, right? And uh, so we had a, we we enjoyed the show. We were able to sit on the couch and watch it and yeah. see how it was going, and she loved, you know, just. She liked the show. Sure. And so I was turned 30, and I've uh, always had that 30 mark yep. in my head of I, like. I'm right there with you. I need, <laughs> I need to make a move. You right. Know, yeah. This is this 
hasn't happened organically yet, on me. you know? Yep. Uh, and so I basically timed it to where the audition in Houston was right around our anniversary when we met. We were still, we weren't engaged okay. at the time. Or, or maybe we were engaged. Yeah, we were engaged. Okay. And... Anyways, uh, can't remember. Uh, so long ago. Uh, but yeah, so then we I timed it to where we went down to Houston and then uh, spent Friday, Saturday in Houston doing date things. And then Sunday I auditioned. So walk me through the actual like behind the scenes. What does an audition process look like? Because I know, uh, you know, I've had like my sister-in-law audition for American Idol. I've had people mm-hmm. like go for different shows and process is always seems to be different so like what are the nuts and bolts of what you can share of what's behind the scenes i can't remember what i can and cannot share so we'll just share it all right okay. uh <laughs> i'll only uh, edit it when i get the cease and desist from nbc uh, it's fine right that's you know <laughs> ask for forgiveness not permission right uh yeah so they have those big open call right auditions like, like, like everybody call else and then things. like every show also has a scouting team that goes out and tries to find undiscovered talent and brings them in for a uh, on a different day. So like not so not during the like they're not going out on the call. They're going out in the area, off online. Off-site, online, they're okay. looking all these different. So things. they're you proactively searching. Yeah, they're always searching for uh, talent. And if they see somebody that they like, they'll bring them in for a private audition. Okay. So instead of being in a long line of of people just going through a big factory, they'll. Right where they have thousands of people right. show up, uh, they'll have 500 people try out okay. on one day. Okay. And uh, you'll get one-on-one time with, with whoever is. With a producer? Uh, it's either the they, the casting company okay. that is the talent scouts. Yeah. Uh, so with them or a producer of the show. Yeah. And um, actually one of my buddies was on in the casting thing uh, from – Fort Worth, he was on the show, Luke Wade. Yep. And so I get in the hallway, and we're in the studio, and you can either go to the left to audition, and that's where Luke is. And I was like, man, I need to go left, and you go left, or right, and this is where some lady is that I've never even met before. Gotcha. And so it's my turn to go left or right, and they tell me to go right. Ooh. So I was like, So oh, already no. not great. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, so I'm not going to have an easy way into this thing. Right. And... um. So I started off singing uh, an Ian Moore song called Satisfied. Okay. And uh, I do my own little version with it. And um, then I sang The Thrill Is Gone after that. And so they, they asked you to sing two songs? Yeah. They okay. want you to have like three prepared. Okay. And then they so, can kind of choose yeah. which one. Okay. And gotcha. so after I, I just said the title of Thrill Is Gone. Right. And she goes, that's going to be your song. That's it. That's it. And I'm like, okay, So you hadn't cool. even played it. You just said the title. The title. And then I sang. And she was like, she was so good at having like a straight face. Yeah. Like I didn't know if I was winning this lady over or right. not. I had no idea. <laughs> and then uh, I start. The third song you have to sing to a track just to show that you can sing without your instrument. Sure. And halfway through that, she stops it. She goes, thank you. You have gone as far as you can today. Um, just go out in the hall and whatever her name is will take you. Or right. Like you, a handler will take you somewhere Right, else. right. And I was like, and is, again, you what does no, that even mean? You like, have no clue. She didn't tell me I was moving on or not. Right. And so they <laughs> moved me down this hallway. And I was like, well, I'm not out of the building, so this must be good. And right. Then there was only like... I'm guessing at the numbers, uh, maybe 
20 people or 40 people. It's got to be more than that. We're taken from the private auditions. So they started with 500 in this private audition to whittle it down. Probably like, down 100 maybe okay. that made it past that private audition. Sure. And then you go from that private audition uh, to I hadn't heard anything because uh, they were going to review everything and then take like even will it down even more and oh, okay. it's a callback right and so um it, i was supposed to hear something in like two weeks i didn't hear anything didn't hear anything so then i sent an email to this lady and she's like oh yeah i meant to call you and it's like okay good thing you sent an email uh, <laughs> right follow up you know for a job interview all that type stuff right, right. <laughs> and they're like yeah uh can you be in la in two weeks i'm like uh sure whatever um i ain't got nothing to do right and so <laughs> They fly, they have this week-long thing where they're constantly flying in uh, people who are auditioning for the show to now audition in front of, like, the music director for the show, okay. the main executive producers of the show, like, the, the, the big boys. Gotcha. And so that happens. You fly in. I flew in, like, on a – they're doing this all week. And mm -hmm. I flew in, like, on a Tuesday. Uh, it kind of let you know everything that's going on. That night, they let me know that I was going to be singing at, like, 7 in the morning. Jeez. Which is not a good time to be singing. No. Uh, how early did you wake up to warm up your voice? I didn't even know how to warm up. I have no training. <laughs> okay. Right. At this point. Right, I right, have right. No, no, never taken a lesson. I'm over I've, here talking like I've, I know. <laughs> I've only taught myself. Gotcha. And it was from singing in loud bars. Right. So, and that's, Yelling with confidence. <laughs> that's exactly what I was doing. And I had no, I felt like imposter syndrome. I was like, why sure. am I here? If we got students from Berkeley. Right. You know, and like. Yeah singers singers yeah, that are right. here and so and um it's like 7 a.m so i probably should wake up at five and so i yeah. like took a bunch of benadryl so i could yeah. go to sleep right. and then uh woke up and a bunch of coffee and, to wake up right and i went in there and sang the thrill is gone again and they were like thank you That's did great. they let you play with your guitar yeah this audition? okay yeah gotcha. which is good because i need that whoopee to hold on to yeah you know? it's a good like um Almost like a comfort item. Exactly. <laughs> you know? It's a barrier in between me and them. <laughs> and uh, But this, you know, instead of being at a studio, this was like they had like a, a rehearsal hall or something like that where they had a bunch of couches, a lot of mood lighting. It was mm -hmm. really inviting. Mm -hmm. But you're still nervous as hell. Right. Because, I mean, this is, you know, every audition you got a nail. Right. And um, so then they're – this hotel, which I will not say what it is because that will probably get me in trouble. Fair. Um, <laughs> it's a really big one. It is full. Like, I would say from, like, the first floor to the 10th floor, full of contestants wow. every day that are constantly interchanging and switching out. Wow. So they're bringing tons of people. Tons. Constantly. Constantly. Wow. So I don't know how many they brought to that. Sure. That L.A. part of it. Yeah. It may have been 1,000. It may have been 500. I don't know. Sure. It's a lot. And they would have, um, it was like four o'clock or something like that. They, they had, um, people get cut Yeah. and they called, they sent out a text message. If you got that text message, you were taken into this room and I didn't receive a text message. And I looked around and I was like, well, I know he's good. I've heard him before. I know he's good. And he didn't get a text message, or, you know, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, so we must be okay. And then never saw those people again wow because they're told to <laughs> like basically <laughs> it's 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 a business yeah so and they don't want to waste time and money on hotel rooms of people who aren't going to be on the show sure so they're like all right your flight's at 
seven in the morning, six right. in the morning. So, anyways, I'll I'll speed this up. I got no, you're tons good. of stories. Um, <laughs> this is fascinating. Yeah, and then so I got called in that room, and then we, it was you know, hey, you made it to the blind audition process. Uh, now you get to take one of those personality exams. Those five hundred question oh, true false okay. things and so it's like a psych and yeah, an iq okay. test and like this is i'm sure all legal stuff that they got to make sure they don't have yep. somebody with a mental disability yeah or somebody's iq right and be taking advantage of somebody if yep. they have an iq that's super low yep so we had to do all that so i didn't even get to like call my wife until like 11 o'clock that night so just this because it so took this forever whole day of like auditioning yeah. starting at seven then waiting and waiting not getting a text message and then taking the paperwork part that's the all the this same the day. Same day. So, and then the next geez. day is when you <clears throat> meet like your personal producer that helps develop your story. Oh, and okay. He, then he's basically like, so start from the beginning. And so kind of like this, but just like you're. Yeah, you're and just so I, and stuff. I was like, well, I don't have a story. Like, I'm, like I said, I'm from the suburbs. I don't have tragedy in my life. I've been very fortunate, you right? Know? And that's what I've seen mostly on the show, right? And then so you know, they went with the. Uh, just recently married aspect of it. Okay. And, yep, yep, uh, yep. Which was great. And then, but also they were fascinated that, wait, you were going out to blues shows when you were three or four. Like, right. That's crazy. That's, that's weird. The Nobody else does. It. Right. So <laughs> right. They also went with that. Um, and then, so you come home for a few weeks and then I'm gone for like a month mm. for the blind audition, like process. So they take 110 to that. 110 so, people to the blind auditions. Okay. Right. To the starting at the beginning of the month. And okay. by the end of the month, they try to get it down to 95. So they're wow. constantly making cuts. And then at the end of the month, that's when you actually do your audition. Okay. So, and they, and they take 48 onto the show. So, um, onto the, like that, that will actually, that will actually make it on the show. Gotcha. So, so taking a hundred down to 48 in that month time frame. Or while yeah. 98. And then that 98, 98 like, uh, this is a rough estimate. Then sure. those 90 people will audition. Okay, gotcha. And then some of them won't get to audition because the teams will fill up. Okay, I see what you're but saying. But that whole That's month. That's a story I had heard before yeah. with a colleague. Okay. So that whole month is all interviews and rehearsals with the band. Okay. And um, wardrobe, yeah. uh, staging, yeah. all this different stuff just to get you ready for this experience. Gotcha. And, and it's going to be. It's going to be a stressful one. Yeah. It's going to be something like you've never gone through before. Right. And so each audition that you had, uh, interview you had, you had to be on your game to show that you could handle the moment. Wow. So, and if you didn't, if you failed, then you would get cut. So would they throw curveballs at you in the sense of like, you had to meet at like 7 a.m. one day and then like 11 p.m. the next day, that kind of stuff? Or is it just like rapid fire different stuff? I don't know if it's curveballs on purpose, but it's just they have 100 plus people that they have to get through all these different things. Sure. So that in a certain period of time. The guy who schedules all that stuff is a freaking genius. (laughs) His schedules are something to be amazed at. But yeah, you would have days. I had like the whole first week where I didn't do a thing. Yeah. And then the next week was going from 6 a.m. to midnight almost every day for a week. And then you'd have a couple of days off. Yeah. And then like it was long, long days. Right. So that was interesting. And I'll, I'll skip ahead to the uh, actual day. So, or the week. Yeah. So the first day they call out the names to get, they have like five days of auditions. Okay. Uh, first day they call out the names to get uh, that go. And my name wasn't called. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, okay, that's cool. It's just the first day. Right. And the second day goes by, my name's not called. And I'm like, oh, crap. All right. So, and at the end of every night, they're like, 
there's a lot of good people. Teams yeah. are filling up fast. And you're like, man, did I just waste a whole, like, yeah. four months of to audition? All these to, yeah, to yeah. not even, you know. I'm, at this point, I'm playing music for a living. Yeah. I'm playing Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And every day every you're not week, there, you're not getting paid. I'm you're not money. getting a paycheck. Yeah. I'm it's taking money, money out of your pocket. Yeah. yeah so, <clears throat> so uh, whenever I, I got called for that third day of auditions. So that meant... This was at like nine o'clock and I knew that I finally had a couple of vocal lessons and stuff like that. So I knew I needed to warm up my voice Yeah, and needs to be, you know, um, so you said they call you, you the day they actually called your name, right? Yeah. And okay. so that was that night at like 10 o'clock. They let you know that you were going to yeah. go on the next day. And now okay. you have a 4am lobby call. Ooh. So, and you got all these, all this adrenaline because your name's called. Right. And you're and like, so right, I'm, I got to do this, I, I got to do that. I'm just, I'm taking so much Benadryl and like melatonin just so I could get to sleep. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I know I need sleep if I'm going to be able to sing yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and so like the 4 a.m. lobby call comes and it's just weird. All these people that become friends, you become really good friends with all these people on your season. Yeah. Uh, they like they all have their like preparation. Like yeah. one guy had a scarf around his neck and didn't say a word <laughs> until he had to sing, you know? Right, yeah. And um mine was like, ah, I'll just start talking and drinking Dr. Pepper and right. coffee and I like, not do anything <laughs> out of the normal. Can't drink, so right. you know, let's just let's just keep going. Right. Um so yeah, we went to wardrobe, hair and makeup and uh then I got to see my wife for the first time in like a month, which was awesome. That is awesome. And really emotional. Yeah. And uh, my parents were there, and which was really cool that they were there too. And um, we did a whole bunch of interviews and different camera shots right. of us. That That's what they wanted us for. And then, you know, um, then we had to separate again until right. it was time for the audition yeah. and after the audition. And then so I'm sitting back there trying to – get my nerves in order, eating bananas because I heard they help. Sure. You know, and um sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so you're back there and the what the crazy thing is is that the way those shows work is that they go and find the best person at hair. They go find the best person at makeup. They go find the best vocal coach. This right. lady is Pink's vocal coach. Oh, and wow. Janet Jackson's vocal coach. Jeez. Like this lady is legit. Yeah. Right? Uh the guitar tech was there. All these different people, the staging people, where you're going to stand, what you're going to do. All these people come because they have a job to do. Right. Right. And they, and their job's on the line to make sure you look good and everything, you remember right. everything you're supposed to do. So now you have six people telling you what you need to do and what you need to remember. And I just remember tuning everybody out. And that's when I realized it's like, it's their job to make sure I get to the place like, or my hair is right. Or my, like right. not worry about any of that stuff. Right. Just focus on the song. Right. You know, because that's and your job. Right. And so I'm coming up to I'm standing in the, the waiting area right uh, right before it, with these two big red doors with the voice V. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, this like voice of God comes on. It's like artists entering in 30 seconds. Oh crap! God, is that you? <laughs> I'm just I'm like I don't need to hear this. Like I don't need this countdown in right. my life. And he's like, ten seconds, and I'm like, artist entering. And so it's at that point I really don't remember a whole lot. Um, yeah, I would imagine it's adrenaline, the work. adrenaline dump was insane. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, I got up there and I I started off the song. I did I strummed the guitar mm -hmm. and started singing my little customized intro mm -hmm. that I came up with for the song. Now 
And all that was kind of played out in my, like, planned out in my head from making sure I was wearing cowboy boots because I remember watching the show and, and Blake Shelton be like, oh, he's wearing boots. Right. Like, and then I had a buddy who was on, Matt Tedder, uh, who was on The Voice, and he had a thing where he scatted along with a, a lead line that he played okay. in the song, and that got Adam to turn around. And I was like, well, I need to add one of those. So I'll just do it at the very beginning. Again, something that's... To lead the band in. Something that is different right? to make you stand out, just right. like you were trying to do Adam's different a, stuff. Right. I know Adam's a guitar player. Sure. So I want... And his back is to me. Right. So I know that he won't be able to tell. Yeah. Like, I'm pl- if that I'm playing, it, playing that I'm playing guitar, not versus, the band. Yeah, the band. So the only way for me to do that is for it to be like a free-form thing at the beginning right. and to scat along with it so he that leads that the up. band in. Right. Yeah, so he can be like, wait a second. He has to be doing this. Yeah, he has he, to be playing guitar. And if guitar. you watch the audition, that's what he does. He's like, he's playing guitar. Right. Yeah. So that was all planned out sure. way ahead of time. Nice. So a and little bit of strategy there. There was. Yeah. And my goal is if I can just get one person to turn around, sure. then uh, we'll just see what happens. And right. the one, you know, they constantly ask you, uh, who do you want to turn around? Sure. And it was uh, Kelly Clarkson. Because, yeah. honestly, I I didn't have a big preference either way. Yeah. Um, but she's from Burleson. Yep. And that's the easiest choice in the world. Yeah, the DFW you know? connection right yeah, there. And she was the only one that didn't turn around. Yes. So that was pretty crazy. And then yeah. Jennifer Hudson threw a shoe. Right. Which is a huge, like a big compliment for her. I know she was super she surprised when you turned when she turned around to mm-hmm. see you. Yeah. White kid from the suburbs yeah. playing BB King. Yeah, she said something like that. They they cut <laughs> a lot of their talking down. Of course, yeah. And and she mentioned that like almost every time that I <laughs> sung. She's like, You don't like she was trying to find the right way to there's something about you that just doesn't match up like <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like okay yeah. right <laughs> but yeah and which was crazy thing that i didn't really get to talk about on the show but like the shoe throwing 
me and my buddies in the stockyards, uh-huh. we would. I used to host a jam, okay, and in the stockyards, and me and my buddies, when they were singing their butt off, we would all throw our shoes up there. Oh wow! Yeah, that's pretty like, cool. You're too good for this town. Yeah, here's the boot. Right. You know? like, yeah, and so to get that on that show was really, really like really cool. That's awesome. That's a really cool so, like almost like callback to your earlier life. Yeah, it just yeah. it just felt right. Yeah, you know these things. And she had no way of knowing that, no. but it's just like Heck no, right? And so that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> that is and awesome. And then you know what made you choose Blake? Yeah, so they kind of cut that down too. Yeah, so they cut they pitch to you for about twenty minutes each one. No, like oh, you total. mean the, the whole thing? Yeah, okay. I was all like, them talking is like 20, minutes. twenty minutes. Oh wow! If so, they cut that down to like two minutes. Yeah. Oh, you are bad. What's your name? My name is Michael Lee, and I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. All right. <laughs> you literally beat me to death with that vocal performance. I was thinking the whole time, he's soulful, it's the blues. And I was like, screw it. I can coach this guy, man. I think wow. this would be a match made in heaven. As what a, a, vote, what a vote of confidence. <laughs> You know, I was there and I was listening and I was like, might as well turn it. (laughs) Great pitch, Blake. Actually, he's exactly right. I knew you deserved to have all the button pushes you could get, man. Mm. I'd be honored to be your coach. Well, thank you. Yes, sir. (laughs) That song choice says a lot about someone and what they want to accomplish. When I turned around first, you know, I am maybe the only one who's worked with a solo guitar player who plays solos, who plays blues, who plays that style of music. What? I've also worked with a couple of guitar players on this show. Solo, like solo guitar players, like bl- yep. guys that play the blues? Yes, last season, remember that? <laughs> uh, I think we just need to add mud and just like let them go at it. <laughs> I will tell you, as a Texas sister, choose a team that you feel like you're going to stick out on oh. and not a team that maybe isn't like, I have all the guitars on my team, and like, oh, I have one of some guitar players on my team. <laughs> So I'm team J-Hud all the way. There you go. Ain't nobody on her team like you. Nobody. There's nobody on any team like him. That's what he says to all the people to make him feel special. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, your guitar, that's your extra superpower, but I'm sure you could put that guitar down and my shoe would still be in the same spot that it is right now. Oh, thank you. And no, I don't know how to play no guitar, but Jennifer know how to stand flat foot and sing. Yes, she do, just like you. All right, who do you pick as your coach? I pick Blake. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm I'm wired weird. So if you tell me I have to do something, I'm going to do the other. Yeah. If you tell I me think I we've learned that so if far. If you need you tell me I need to do something, my immediate reaction is like I don't need to do a damn thing. Right. You like, got to listen to this like, guy. He's the best. And no, like, no, like that's just yeah. how I'm wired. Right. So whenever Adam was telling me, I know what's best, you need to come with me. Right. Bubble, like and that and it's like you just lost me. Like, right. And then that, Kelly was like, you've got to go with Jennifer Hudson. Right. Like, and, you, you know, to, blah, blah, blah. if I went back and did it again, 
I didn't want to go with Jennifer Hudson because I knew all those badass gospel singers were going to be on there. Sure, yeah. And I can't compete with those people sure. that can sing a phone book, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. like, and do all the notes. Right, right, you know, right. And right. have no problem showing you. <laughs> right. uh, you know, but if I if I did it again, I probably would have gone with her just because I would have stood out on that team. Sure. And yeah. she absolutely loved my voice every single time that I right. sang it from her. Yeah. Uh, and so – Blake was a no-brainer. Um, maybe it's the country draw that sure. just made me feel more at home. Yeah, I but get that. I'm also really glad that I went with him because his he's not a vocal like virtuoso or great teacher or anything like that. But right. what he does and why he's so successful on that show, in my opinion, is that he makes you feel comfortable. Mm. So when you walk into a room and there's Mariah Carey, he's like – Hey y'all, it's fucking Mariah Carey. Right. <laughs> like, like that's that's right, what he does. Right. Or you know, I, yeah. I heard stories of him like, here's a sip, take a drink. Right, right. a little nervous. Calm, you calm know, yourself down. Calm down. Yeah, you know, and so he's good at breaking the ice and yeah. and making you feel comfortable in a crazy situation. Right. You know that goes. I mean, that's the like unspeak unspoken advantage, right? Right. Like I think there's a lot that people are you know can debate. Like, well, I can give you this, I can give you that, mm-hmm. or you can hear from other producers or artists. But that is like a personality thing that's built in that nobody can really explain why that's an advantage, kind of a thing, right? You know, I I definitely noticed it in the uh, the battle against my friend Joey Green, right? Um, right before we were going out. Like, they, all the lights, everything is made to make it look super cool for the show. Right. But what it does to the contestants is it makes it, like, a bigger moment than it really is. Sure. In my opinion. Yeah. And that's the way I had to look at it if I was going to perform. Right. So, I was getting super nervous, standing right before they called out my name, and I told myself, Michael, it's a freaking TV show. Steve Harvey shooting next door. Right. Family feud. <laughs> right. This is not right. that big a deal. Right. Right. Like right. It's a stupid TV show. Right. Let's go. And that's what I had to tell myself. Yeah. And then I went out there with no nerves. Yeah. And all the confidence in the world. Yeah. And it, it could, you could clearly see it shining through as well. And then especially like when you get to the knockouts and you're performing whipping post. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my God. That was amazing. Thanks, like, man. Yeah. I mean, just like the, it's the, you take the Allman brothers and put your own spin on it. And it's just like, what is this song? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Um, and, and you had the runner up from two, the show right behind you, just right, like right. jamming along which, with you. Which I beat. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just talked to him today. Uh, but so to contrast those two songs that I did with one with Joey, The Thing Called Love, yep. which me and him were very aware that we were both from the same market. We're both from Fort Worth. Yep. And he lives in Nashville now, but we all have a bunch of the same friends. Right. And our goal, number one goal, was how is this going to look back home? Mm. Well, I thought it was great how more intense you are and how more laid back you are. And it just, those weren't things to fix. They were just things to to talk about. By the way, these guys have known each other for, was it eight years, you said? Oh, wow. They've been friends. And so that makes the, this performance fun and, you know, more exciting. At the same time, it's a little more heartbreaking, too, that I have to make a decision. And it sucks so bad. They're going to have hours of us interviewing separately yeah. to try to get us to talk bad about each other. Right. So, or, and how we perform. Right. Like, there's things he can do that I can't do. Right. There's things that I can do that he can't do. Right. And we 
made sure that we weren't going to outshine the other. Yeah. The only thing, like we were going to try to make it as difficult for Blake to choose yeah. as possible. And we didn't care if it wasn't entertaining. Sure. You know, like yeah. we were just going to sing the song. I think And it was really awesome. just our attack to the song that separated us. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. I, I didn't do a bunch of runs and he didn't right. go for a bunch of high notes. Right. Which he can. And, um, we just, just keeping we, the integrity yeah. when it's so easy, we, probably not to. Yeah, because the, the show only lasts for a season. Yeah, those that if they made us if they made us look, which they didn't, like we didn't like each other or were too competitive head to head. Right, like that was going to last forever. Right, you know. So exactly, and then also you're thinking <clears throat> beyond this. You're like, well, at the end of the day, whether I win or wherever I place. I'm still going back to my music career, and I don't want people to take assumptions of right. me from a TV show yeah. that are untrue and unfounded. Right. Don't have to humble yourself to me. I need your judge or your king. And so whenever it came for whipping post, uh, I was like, all right, let's do some vocal runs. Let's do some uh, metal screams. Like, yeah. like, let's do a bunch of, just, like, let's, let's show, just throw let's show out. out. Throw the boot a out. About, <laughs> you know, a little bit. Like, yeah. And so that was my goal. And, you know, I love Chris Cruzy. He's one of the funniest yeah. people that I've ever met. And he, he's from Wisconsin. <laughs> and he's hilarious. Yeah. And uh, we've become really good friends. But I could be really competitive against right. him. So... That was, you know, the tale of the two songs where a thing called love was just to show that we could just sing the song and be true to the song. And then uh, whipping post was for me to just, you know, play the game, play, play the voice, yeah. which is, you know, show off. Yeah. That moment when you threw your guitar like down and just like step forward, it was like, oh, I still get chills. Like yeah. it was just like, all right, here we go. This is, I mean, that was the epitome of just blues and just right. emoting on stage. It was, oh.
Which, you know, and it's all amazing. that stuff is like what I learned how to do in the blues clubs in Dallas. Learning there from you the, you know, the old African-American people who had been playing this their whole life. Right. That, uh, you know, they're like, hey, son, like, go stand on that bar. Yeah. And walk up and down that bar. Yeah. And, or, like, go play in this girl's lap or go, like, be out just in front. Be, be like, in the audience. Like, be improvise. Show, you know. be, be one with the and people. Just show off. Yeah. Just really get that emotion out there and that personality yeah and that's what blues is you know yeah. whenever you go hear a blues concert you should go hear them in a blues club because yeah. it's completely different than if you go to bass hall you know and hear <laughs> buddy guy it's not going to be the same thing no i'm gonna have um, to get some uh blues hall lists from you when we're off air because uh i'm dying to go so. yeah um but you know so to play whipping post and the you know it i wanted to take the mic off the stand and step out and do that stuff but then I like it happened like organically mm. in the rehearsal yeah. when the mic stand it collapsed. I can't remember if they showed that on TV or not. So I'm Don't rehearsing recall. in front of yeah. Mariah Carey and Mariah. Did I screw that up? Mariah Carey. And um, I don't think you screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the mic stand it like just it was my height and then right. it just fell right like right in between verses. Yeah. Uh, somehow on cue. Yeah. You know, this is Hollywood. They can make anything happen. Right. So my tinfoil hat came out. <laughs> uh, but then, uh, so yeah, I, at that point, I looked at it and I was like, all right, let's just do this. And I took the guitar behind yeah. me and grabbed the mic off the stand and stepped out and sang. And that's when Mariah was like, you know, you, you handle microphone, uh, problems way better than I do. You're obviously a professional. Wow. In all this stuff. And then yeah. Blake was, Asking Mariah, how do you do that scream thing that yeah. he does? She's like, I have no idea. Maybe, like, if I did that, blood would be coming out of <laughs> my throat. <you> know? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I know that you didn't get as far on the voice probably as you would have liked to. But walk me through what it was like when you didn't progress and then kind of the immediate aftermath before we head into the last segment. So uh, what people don't realize is that this is a super long process. So sure. this is February. When you're I, doing the, the blinds and the battles and the right. knockouts and all that? Yeah. So, well, February from the first audition to Houston. Oh, sure. And then I got married at the end of the May, okay. went on a honeymoon for like five days, and then flew out to L.A. to be away from my wife for a month. Okay. And then back home for two weeks and then gone for a month and a half to do the battles and knockouts. And then I'm finally home for a month while the show is airing. Right. And then go back out for the live shows. So you're and home around like September or so. Right, yeah. like August, September, yeah. and then you go back out for like October, I think, is yeah. when they started yeah. the live shows. Okay. So it was, I I was ready to be home, like, but I also wanted to compete, you know, I wanted yeah. to get as far as I could. And they asked me what song I wanted to do or which one would be comfortable, and I gave them a couple ideas. Yeah. And um, they, they always wanted me to do an upbeat song. They never wanted me to do a slow song. So uh, I did Every Time I Roll the Dice by Delbert McClinton. Yep. She got a broom down on me When the man's falling down She got a place I can see But she gave me the key. 
my mind is like if I go home for singing a Fort Worth musician song, like a uh, hometown, like I've stayed true to myself. Yeah. Everything up to this point, I haven't had to do a pop song. I haven't. Right. They kept wanting me to do the slow hands. That oh, song right. over and over, <laughs> right? And I was like, this just doesn't work. I don't right. want to do this. Don't want to do this, you know? And uh, so for me not to make it through is uh, – it, it was fine. It, yeah. it sucked at the be- like the very first moment. Sure. But I kind of knew the writing was on the wall. Everybody liked uh, Kirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the producers really liked Kirk. So I feel like they can't – Physically manipulate right. the competition, right. but their advertisements can show Kirk sure. when they're advertising the show. Yes. Or like yes. they can do things like that yes. that kind of manipulate. Right. And like if that's, you stay in, top that's, of mind, you're that's top in the of contract. Mind. That's not a secret. They can right. do right. whatever they want. Um, and so, you know, I think the big surprise to them was uh, Chris Cruzy making it through because mm-hmm. I think the everybody was thinking it was going to be Kirk and Dave making it through because Dave and... Blake had a previous relationship. Okay. Uh, Dave used to play for or open for Miranda back whenever they were uh, okay. together. So he's known Blake for a long time. So whenever somebody other than Dave made it through, I knew I wasn't going to be picked. Sure. So uh, that was – so whenever that happened, and it's it's kind of crazy. It's It was my turn to leave. You know, I've seen so many other people leave through this process right. through the blinds or – and battles and knockouts, and that's hard. Yeah. Because you'll have a roommate for a month, and then he's not there no more. Right. You know, and you don't really get to say bye. Yeah. You know, and, and their yeah. flight's at four in the morning. Or right, five in the right, morning. right. And so they take you, and I get to keep the wardrobe that yeah. they customize, or like any alterations, they yeah. can't give it to somebody else. Sure. So I got to keep that, well, which was nice. cool. Yeah. And really, I mean, I was ready to be home. Yeah. But I still, in my mind, I, I still wanted to do like, um, an Otis Redding tune, uh, oh, These Arms of Mine. Yes. I wanted to do a slow one because everybody else in that show got to do a slow one yeah. except for me. Um, it's crap. So, <laughs> well, it, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, like, my ace in the hole, which uh, was uh, with a little help from my friends that I used yes. to do all the time. Oh. I used to do it anytime I was short for rent. So I would go to karaoke competitions yeah. around DFW oh, awesome. when I was broke. I love and Joe I would, Cocker's version of that on Across yeah. the Universe. Oh, and I would anyways. go, I would go sing that and, yeah. and win a hundred bucks and be able to make rent that yeah. month. So I knew like that was my ace in the hole. Right. So I was, I was planning to be there, yeah. but maybe I should have went for it. Uh, and that that show is ridiculous because they have twenty four contestants and they yep. cut it to twelve. Yeah, you know, and there was a lot that went on that I can't discuss. Yeah, but it was pretty. No, I understand. Um, that's pretty crazy. That's awesome. You've been listening to After the Encore with Michael Lee. We'll be right back after this. Standing outside in this Texas heat. Yeah, I got blisters all on my feet. I ran out of gas yesterday. You're listening to After the Encore. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and I'm here with Michael Lee, and we just got done with The Voice. We just uh, did not get voted to go on, so we're in this segment. But now from The Voice, the BB King Blues Band reaches out. 
what was that even like? How did that work out? Uh, that was pretty insane. Right? Uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, besides Steve Ray Vaughan, the second most obsessed artist I had was B.B. Sure. And playing cassettes of his live at Cook County Jail or watching uh, videos on yes. YouTube. And I always remember there being this trumpet player that would always, like, rival Angus Young for banging his head. Sure. But it was, like, <laughs> side to side. Right, right, it was, like, right, this right. rocking motion. And, right. like, he had this big old fro that would go back and forth. <laughs> and he was a big man. And I was just always – he always stood out. Right. And to get a call from him and the management saying, yeah. hey, we're putting together a compilation record with uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd, Taj Mahal, and plenty of other great artists. Right. Um, would you like to sing The Thrill Is Gone on it? And I was like the quickest yes I could ever say. Right. <laughs> Let me think about this yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so, so they clearly saw you from The Voice or yeah, were they saw me from The Voice to you. And they were like, this would be a good idea. Yeah. And so uh, they flew me down. And that guy with the, the head bomb, yeah. his name is uh, James Boogaloo Bolden. Oh, that's so badass like, like the dance uh yeah <laughs> so i guess whenever he first started playing with bb he would dance all crazy and stuff like that and so bb started calling him boogaloo <laughs> so uh he picked me up from the airport that's and awesome so was, that's so it, surreal it was crazy so i just got to kind of ask him all these questions like man i'm a huge you know bb fan and yeah. all this stuff and and uh to get to go to the studio they had the whole band was there because they were cutting it that day and and what uh so you were on the voice last year in 2018 towards the end of 2018 mm-hmm. so when did you actually fly out to cut this record uh right before i went back for the voice oh okay wow supposed to so that was that. kind of like i'm not supposed to do that like <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> i'm not sure where they i wasn't do supposed <laughs> to do that um <laughs> okay but yeah awesome. i had like one free day and it was like the one day i promised to my wife that i was like hey this is our day right because whenever you're back from that show like uh, while it's airing, yeah. your phone never shuts up and you're constantly going crazy, constantly have interviews and different things to do, sure. whether it's here locally or on the phone. Right. And so it was like, Hey, we have Halloween. Yeah. Halloween will be ours. Yeah. And then I was like, Hey babe, uh, I'm going to go record with BB King's <laughs> band. And she's like, you have to do that. Yeah. You, you just have to do that. Yeah. So they, I flew down there in the morning, got to the studio. They had, um, the, Drummer is Brandon Jackson. He's from Houston. Uh, Daryl Levine on keys, who's uh, from New Orleans and just an incredible keys player. They had um, uh, Eric Dimmer was on sax, and he used to play with Clarence Gatemouth Brown. Okay. And then, and like sub for a couple of BB shows and stuff yeah. like that. And then you have James Boogaloo Bolden, who was BB's band leader for 35 years. Wow. Um yeah, so he joined in like 80 or 79 or something like that. And then Russell Jackson, who played with BB back in the 80s, uh, was playing bass. And then the guitar player, Wilbert Crosby, uh, he played with Mavis Staples and Aretha Franklin until Whoa. she passed away. Oh, my God. And so you have all these like like incredible musicians. Right. And I get to watch them cut The Thrill Is Gone <laughs> and, and like in the studio. And then... And then it happened. And what was a freaking nightmare for me is now they're done. And now it's my turn to go into the studio and sing this in front of all those people in the studio. And I don't know if you've ever sang in the studio over anybody, but it is like putting a microscope on your voice and everything sure. like that. And so I'm, I get in the studio, put on my headphones 
and like I can hear myself talk here, but whenever it played and to record, I couldn't hear my voice. Oh, okay. And so I could hear the track, and I just ran through it. Just anyway, yeah. They're like, hey, that sounded pretty good. Do you want to do another one? I was like, I can't hear anything. Right. Like, and they're like, yeah, you can. Not they weren't, but the the producer, the engineer, yeah, was like, yeah, it's, it says that you are. You you know, like you're good. And so I was like, well, screw me. I guess I don't. <laughs> I know guess I don't I'm, know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Then. Uh, so I did a second pass without having monitors, and they're like, that's the take. You did two takes? Yeah. And they're like, you want to listen to it? Yeah. They're like, you want to listen to it? I'm like, yeah, sure. And they play it back. I was like, I can't hear my vocals. It's not playing back. And he's like, oh, crap. You couldn't hear yourself. That's what you were talking about. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I can't. So (laughs) I did two takes without monitors. And and the second one is what they used on the record. Now that's all over. All I can do. Crazy. Yeah, it was insane. I would go nuts if I couldn't hear myself talk like yeah. this right now. I'd I just like, went for it. That's awesome. Just to see what happened. And it was just one of those studio studio magic moments. And um yeah, and so I had lunch with the guys and just kinda asked them some stories about BB and stuff like that. And they, they shared a few and then I had like a flight back that left at like five o'clock or something like that i got yeah. back home that night at 10 o'clock and, and hung out with my wife and then <laughs> started back that next day with more voice stuff that's crazy so now that then you get eliminated from the voice when does the bb king band actually reach out to do a tour like set of tour dates with them it may have been a week after okay after the voice okay. <clears throat> or something like that and they're like hey you want to go on the road with us <laughs> Yes, this sounds great. The second uh, book is yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, this sounds awesome. So starting that February, we had, like, our first couple shows. And then we started touring heavy in March, April, May. And mm-hmm. not until recently did we stop, you know, and pretty much done for the year. Yeah. And Y'all played up here at Levitt Pavilion in Arlington, right? Yeah. They said they had, like, 4,500 people there. That sounds that. right. I couldn't, I got there late and couldn't get in. So yeah, it was insane. I was trying to <clears throat> bring my kids and I'm like, maybe I'll tuck them in and we decided to bring them and it didn't work out. That's Man, okay. it was insane. It's okay. My in-laws they was said, over there, so it worked out. They said it was bigger than a uh, polyphonic spree that was there the night before. Yes. And this was on a Sunday or something. I mean, I, so Todd pipes, who was on the last uh, volume of deep blue something, they were the only other group I'd seen have a really big 
crowd, mm-hmm. but I mean, y'all surpassed them. So yeah, it was and insane. They're local, you know, deep Denton ties. So mm-hmm. there you go. But that's crazy. So now, so then you're touring with them. What was that even like being on the road with them? Surreal, I imagine at first. Yeah, I mean, it's cool whenever you play. I've played BB King songs my whole life, right? But and, and it's always just with guys around town, and no knock against the guys around town. But when you play with BB's band, <laughs> they get it right. Yeah, and it's and it's and it sounds right. It feels right, and it's just a different feeling altogether. And you know, there's, uh, it was, it was cool. It was an interesting dynamic with you know, they have so much. They have more miles than I do on the road. Sure, and you know, more skins on the wall. So it was, it was fun with uh, just getting to talk to them, getting to hear the different stories. A lot of them I can't repeat. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, like uh, one that they share is uh, the bass player Russell. He was he was always the youngest in the group, so they would always make him do different the things that they didn't want to do. So he was on <laughs> fly duty on the bus. Oh. <laughs> so he would if there was a fly, he would go get the fly swatter and like yeah. swat the fly. And then one time, it landed on BB's head. And so he's like, this is my job. And then just, you know, <laughs> hit the, hit, and he, BB's like, son, you better find me a fly. <laughs> and so uh, so he ended up um, like crawling around the floor and ended up finding one Yeah. eventually. So uh, he doesn't know if it was the right fly or not. But like, he's like, look, here it is, here it is. Just don't, to show that he wasn't actually yeah, hitting him on the head. Don't, don't fire me, you know. So... <laughs> That's awesome. That pretty interesting. So now walk me through the motivation to do your self-titled album, Michael Lee, which came out this past June 2019. Yeah. And you not only recut The Thrill Is Gone, your own take mm-hmm. on it, but also uh, had some other great tracks on there. And so I want you to walk me through um, the the essence of it. What I mean, obviously, you probably have been wanting to do this for a while, but what specifically drew you to cho- to choose the songs that you chose and then also uh, when releasing it? Like, why was June the right time? All that kind of stuff. Um, I had been working on it for like two and a half years. Okay. So I had been working on it for a, uh, quite a while. And when you're on The Voice, you can't release music. Um, right. So I had to, I had, I like finished it up in like March or something. Sure. Like, of. Uh, 2019 or whatever like it was a quick turnaround but um a lot of those songs on there are from a long period of time uh of of writing and and one of them like full of oz which is about people with that are narcissistic Mm -hmm. terrible people yeah and uh that's just from dealing with people in the business yeah and and there's tons of it It runs rampant in this business and so a lot of it you know, it's just personal experience. And um, one of the songs on there, Weeds, yep. is uh, me and my wife bought a house two years ago in Watauga. And there was like this long buying process. Or And so whenever we... There always is. It sucks. So whenever we, <laughs> yeah, whenever we got the house, the yard was all overgrown and, and stuff like that. So I was like, well, this is the, like, I thought it was a good symbolism of I'm I'm excited this is like the first happy song I ever wrote. And I was like, I'm excited to live in this, make this home with you and watch, you know, the kids, the kids that we eventually will have yeah. grow up watching yeah. the weeds grow. Yeah. So that's what that song was about. I love it. You know, uh, the, 
I got this review from the album and I absolutely love the album and I was thrilled when you released it. I could not consume it fast enough. And I disagreed with this review. They did not like your cut of the thrill is gone as much as I did. I disagreed mm -hmm. with their reasoning. Um, but, um, but they talked about the, positives they talked about was they they commented on the fact that your voice is weathered in a way you don't often hear enough in pop or even in blues and they talked about on this is that track they talk about your voice is sexy and vulnerable and the funky guitar jogging quietly beneath the song only amplifies that slow jam energy and they say love her is faster but no less so soulful mm. And so what I love about that, that was the number one thing. And I think that's also the thing that like kind of drew you to the voice and drew people like Jennifer Hudson to be surprised when they heard you is that you have this old soul voice. And I don't know uh, where I saw it quoted, but it, it's like a, it's a coffee and cigarettes, marinated, soulful blues voice. Right. And you turn around and it's voice does not match face. Right. right. You know, right. And so, but walk me through the the process of creating uh, those songs and your this is specifically, and and what was the kind of motivation behind that one? Um, that one was just to. I think at the time I was doing these, I got on a kick of like interviewing my grandparents and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Just to, I wanted to hear about their life. Yeah, I have it recorded yeah. in my mind. I always had, uh, you always have photo albums or you have a family tree. And maybe have a picture. Right. You might have a name. But, but to have the stories recorded. From, from them, I yeah. feel it's like. It's, it's timeless. Too, yeah. You, 2019, you might as well have that. Yeah. And so for me, that was really important. And so I started writing a song about like, you know, not necessarily their experience, but like, uh, you know, like a couple when they meet. This yeah. may be a one night stand. Maybe yeah. not you know, you don't you don't know where this is going. Right. And then the next verse is where they're at the altar. Yeah. And it's like, is this for real? Is this is this real like yeah. it's, it's it pinch me. Yeah. Know? Or it's like or Absolutely. you're always gonna have like hesitate is this right? Is it like yeah. or, you know? And so and then the you know, the last verse is really really vulnerable and uh, you know, him finally reuniting with his his loved one. Yeah. And uh that was that was kind of my artistic, especially musically. You know, I remember being in the uh, studio. I was like, "Let's do a heartbeat drum beat," and the drummer was like, "Man, that's never been cool." And right. I, like, and it was so long before we got it mixed. We ended up doing it because I was paying him. Right. And uh, <laughs> and whenever we got it mixed, you know, he's like, "Dude, that really turned out amazing." Like he yeah. he loved it. I was like, "Yeah, just trust me." Like right. I have an idea of yeah what I wanted that song trust to be. Trust the process. And I want it to you know, become this big epic yeah. uh, song. And, you know, the the whiskey, coffee, and cigarettes definitely help with the rest. <laughs> right. But I don't do the cigarettes or the whiskey anymore. So, right. <laughs> But still, it works out. So, yeah. uh, And I found the, the, the quote-unquote criticism with Thrill is Gone. Let's it was, hear it. It was. So to quote, and I'll just quote it, and it's from Blues Rock Review. Yeah. It talked about the one possible misstep on the album is Lee's cover of B.B. King's Thrill is Gone. Apparently, it was a big Lee piece on The Voice, but this more rock-oriented cover of King's signature song lacks King's emotion and urgency and Lee's otherwise fine guitar work can't touch King's conciseness. Mm -hmm. I understand the idea that the song needed to be here because of the TV show connection, but I would have preferred Lee include something less iconic. Now, before I give you a chance to respond, yeah, because I know you're going to love a chance to respond to that. What I have to disagree mm -hmm. from this is it is with any cover, it's an interpretation and your interpretation I took as this like, I don't want to quite say dark, but this dark emotional 
interpretation of the thrill is gone and where BB had his interpretation, right? Your interpretation is like the thrill is literally gone. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the bottom, looking up and everything's gone and stripped away and I'm laid bare before everyone and I'm not sure where to go. And so that's why it gives me goosebumps and speaks to me. And I wholeheartedly disagreed. And it seems like the reviewer only was, um, is a huge BB King stand apparently like fair enough, but, um, was just a little like, uh, you know, a little too close to it, maybe. So for me, um, I I hold BB in a very high regard, and I don't think anybody can be as concise as him. Uh, no. So that's <laughs> so, and I wasn't I wasn't trying to be. I was sure. I was, I was doing what was honest to me. And for when I read the lyrics of that song, and like when I hear it, um, I try to think about the times that I had rel- serious relationships that broke up. Yes. And how devastating that was. Yes. And it, and it it absolutely was devastating whether it was me who screwed up or right. they screwed up. Right. It's even worse for almost worse when I screwed up. Sure. You know, but I wanted this whole album is about the sounds reflecting the lyrics mm. and the imagery to, to be matching the same. Yes. So praying for rain, uh, on that album, it gets pretty trippy at some spots because, you would be delusional in a desert right. when you're, you know, and stuff like that. that. So for Thrill is Gone, that was my thinking. It needs yeah. to sound raw. It needs to needs to sound like rock bottom. Yeah. And and I don't want it to sound like poor me. Like, yeah. Like a, no. a sad, sad yeah. song, but yeah. like a depression song. <laughs> like, you I know, mean, like yeah, it's, no, it's got to be even more, it's got to be heavier. I it's, mean, in my mind. Yeah. And, and yep. I didn't want to redo the same song that ever in the no. same version that everybody else has done. No, absolutely. So you, that was my, that was my mindset. Yes. And when, I mean, just peeling back the little curtain on myself, you know, when this album came out was a fairly low point for me in my life. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that song, it spoke to me in the moment mm-hmm. so precisely that I can't like I can't thank you enough for writing it the way you did because I identified with it. I listened to it. It was my anthem for a little bit, mm, and well, it was thanks. something. Awesome. Yeah, and it was something where I I got viscerally upset when I read that because I'm like, you're not understanding the intention behind it, right? Uh, and, you know, and everybody's entitled to their of opinion. Course. And all and, art is subjective, but some people can be wrong. No, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, like I, I respectfully disagree with his assessment. Yes, right. And you know, and that's it is what it is. Like right. It, in blues, especially, I've noticed that there are uh, some harsh critics if you don't keep to the traditional way of doing things. Right. I, you know, I we we I should say the record company and myself put that on there because they. They went. They felt like it needed to be on there. Yeah, and this um, is Rough Records you're talking about, correct? Yeah, Roof, Roof We're from Germany, Roof me. Records. Right. <laughs> uh, so you know, and I was like, well, if I'm going to do that, I don't want it to be the single. Right. So I'm going to make it slower. Yeah. Make it dirty. I'm yeah. going to make it how I, if I was just given the lyric sheet and the chord changes, right, without any preconceived notions of the song. Yeah. How would this song speak to me? And that's what I went for. I love it. What is up ahead for you? What's coming up next? Uh, next is uh, doing a couple, or a few more shows with the BB King Blues Band. Okay. Um, I'll be playing with them on and off because they're also a Roof Records um, okay. artist. Nice. And my band will be playing more. We're headed up to uh, 
Michigan and Wisconsin and uh, Kentucky here in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm writing for the new record uh, that I want to put out sooner than later. Sure. Uh, and then um, let's. I feel like I'm missing a bunch. I have a lot going on that it's I can't okay. remember. I try it's to take good. it day by day, man. Yeah, I'm no, I get you. Not focus too much on it. But oh, we're going to Europe. Okay, nice. Yeah, gonna very go cool. Tour with the BB King band, gonna go tour over there. There is a huge blues contingent. I want to say in Spain and it's all the Netherlands. There. I mean, it's Spain, but Germany. They yeah. all like Germany in particular. I've heard treats it like it's an art form. Yes, they like. That's they, what I was thinking of. They stand there and they're quiet. And they'll t- they'll take it all in, almost yeah. like you know, like classical music we right. do here, right? You know, and so I'm really looking forward to going over there for the first time and seeing how that all goes. That's awesome. Well, I got two more questions for you, maybe three, but two. I would say first, if someone is listening and they want to go up for the voice, piece of advice for them, and then also if somebody, uh, I want to know what is one lasting general piece of advice. So both advice questions, but a little bit structured differently. Yeah, so for The Voice, I would just say, all right, if you really, really want to be on The Voice, find a way just to, you have to be honest with yourself and look at yourself and be like, are you are you a folk singer? Mm-hmm. All right, find, and let's say you look like a folk singer. Right. Find a song that isn't folk and switch mm-hmm. it around. I like that. Because that whole concept of that show is what you sound like versus what you look like. Right. That's the whole show. Yep. Kirk is a uh, guy from Alabama, and he sang country music. Right. But he didn't look like he should be. Like, you know, yeah, like exactly. that he would grow up on that music, and he's right. incredible at it and yeah. really, really good at it. And, you know, that's the whole show. Yep. So if you want to do that, then go, go do that. But also, at the same time, be true to yourself because, like I said earlier, it's just a season. Yep. And what you do on that show lasts forever. Right. So. And then and a then general piece of advice, yeah. General piece of advice. Or maybe a mantra that you have for yourself. Right now, I'm really big into Jocko Willick. Okay. Do you know him? No, He's a Navy SEAL dude. Okay. And it's I'm, I've been getting in shape and stuff like that and just getting motivated every day. And right now I'm really kind of prescribing of uh, procrastinating rest. So if okay. I'm tired or there's something that I don't really want to do today, um, uh, that's fine. But I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to go through the motions, get it done. And yeah. then if I'm still tired that next day, I'll take a rest. Okay. Gotcha. But most of the time I found out that you don't need it. Sure. So you're just trying to So whether that's practicing your instrument right uh learning how to sing making business calls booking right. all that stuff you just don't want to do it yeah if you're self-employed right or you know like it's completely you that's right in charge of it's this. not going to go anywhere if you right. don't do it or if you're going to your job you yeah. know and you don't want to do it and you're getting worn down right it's the same thing yep it's just go do it and if you need a rest wait till the next day i like it well last question here is if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, Instagram. So at Michael Lee FW, FW for Fort Worth. And uh, that tag, that handle is for Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can go to MichaelLeeBand.com to see where I'm playing. 
I'm not as I'm not playing as much as I used to before the voice, but uh, I'm still playing quite regularly. I'll oh, be, yeah. yeah, it's fun, man. Very nice. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks I appreciate for having it. Me. And here to play us out one more time is Michael Lee. Now it's all over All I can do is wish you well
This podcast is powered by Roberts Media Group, your resource for podcast development. For more programming and advertising opportunities, please visit us at robertsmediagroup.co.